Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes, so each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris. A special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio at One Rock Center in New York City. Thank you so much for producing and sponsoring this episode of my podcast. Be sure and follow along with what they're up to on Twitter at Rock Center NYC or at Rockefeller Center on the Instagrams. Also, thank you to my Patreon community for your incredible continued support. If you are interested in joining my Patreon community, you can join for as little as $3 a month. And what do you get access to? I'm so glad you asked. You get access to over 50 exclusive VIP interviews and videos that I have recorded. And also you get access to the podcast a week before it's live on iTunes, which is super cool. And then also this year, I started a new thing where I do a free group coaching call on Zoom once a month. So just doing a lot of fun stuff over there. You can go to patreon.com slash the refined collective. So yeah, join if you want. You don't have to join if you don't feel like it. If your partner walked into your life today, would you be ready? Last year, I felt more ready for love than I ever have before. It wasn't until I dated someone I really cared for, only to have it not work out, that I was able to see I still had some deep trauma that if left unhealed was going to keep me from love. I had some work to do. You see, sometimes we date when what we really need to do is find a good therapist. On the flip side, sometimes we don't date because we expect ourselves to be perfect. Fear of failure and rejection keep us paralyzed from putting ourselves out there. Here's the deal. We'll never be 100% ready. At some point, we have to get out there and go scared. But how do we know when we just need to go for it versus when we need to pump the brakes? Well, a few years ago, my friend Stephanie Mae Wilson created a free quiz to help us navigate these exact questions. It's called, Are You Ready to Meet Your Person? The questions, insights, and action steps she shares with you in this quiz transformed my own dating life, and I truly believe they'll do the same for you. You can download it for free at stephaniemaywilson.com slash cat. Again, that's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E. M-A-Y-Wilson.com slash cat, and that's K-A-T. 
Today has been weird, okay? I don't even know if I should be recording this podcast episode right now, but here's what I'm trying to do in my life and in this podcast right now is just respond when I feel something in my heart and be open and vulnerable about it as it comes up. Because a lot of times I'll get ideas for an episode and I'll like scribble it down in the corner of a book I'm reading or in my note section on my phone or in my journal. And then two weeks later, I'll think, oh, I need a podcast idea. Let me go look at that idea I had. And it looks like some mad scientist, crazy, like scribble, scrabble. (laughs) And so if I have the time and space and I have an idea, I'm trying to like flush it out and record it on the spot. So we'll see how these little episodes go. Honestly, after this past Monday's Mentor Monday on Instagram, I felt weird about that. Like, I felt like I came to Mentor Monday with a little bit of an attitude. And I think what can be hard about Mentor Mondays on Instagram is... First of all, there's like a thousand questions that get sent in every week and it's hard to choose which ones and I'll feel bad if that I don't get to everyone. I usually try to cap it at 10 to 12. So there's a lot of people who write in every week that I'm unable to reach. And then it's really hard because Instagram only gives you a 15 second interval to record the answer. I feel like I'm chasing the clock trying to answer these really nuanced questions in 15 seconds. And often I feel like I treat really nuanced and layered questions that are really vulnerable to your heart in a very quick, fast, one-dimensional way. And I think sometimes that is good because sometimes you just need a bucket of ice water over your head. And sometimes I feel like this just like isn't a kind way to deal with this topic. And I felt that way about one of the questions that I received on Monday. And the question was basically this girl was like, I really like this guy. He's wonderful. And he's not a Christian. And so I know it can never be anything. So I don't know what to do. Man, first of all, I just felt for this girl because I feel like I've been there. But I responded like really quickly. And basically my quick response was, listen, I understand like I want to be with a person that loves Jesus. But also we just like don't know what God's going to do in someone's heart. I don't know that this is as black and white as we have historically said it is in the church. I like said it. I got some pushback about it. And I've just been sitting with it the past few days. And I've been talking with girlfriends about this very thing for years because I'm 36 years old and single. And there are are way more women in the church than there are men in the church. And so there's a real numbers thing happening. It's just something that I haven't really given full nuance to publicly. And so I really just want to have a conversation about, is dating a non-Christian a sin? Like, can we really unpack this in a layered way as opposed to just giving a one-size-fits-all for all people at all time? And that's what I want to do in the next few minutes. Before I really share where my heart is, first, I want you to know, like, I'm not God. I'm not God, never claim to be God. I'm also not claiming that this is thus says the Lord. Like this is thus says cat in my experience and what I believe to be wisdom in my life. It's okay if you're not totally on board with everything I say. Like take what I say and like take it to God, take it to your community, take it to wisdom and you figure out what you believe about this, okay? 
Now, by me just even positioning an episode where I might be encouraging some Christians to date non-Christians, you might have already written me off. I might have already lost my credibility to you. And if that's where you're at, like, please just listen be curious. And if you can be open and listen to the whole thing and then do with it what you will. Okay. Because here's the deal is I really love Jesus. I highly value scripture and mentorship and wisdom in my life. And the reality is I do want to marry someone who loves Jesus too. Like I really want that. Like that's my dream world. Like that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm believing for then there's life too, right? (laughs) So let's talk about that. Probably nine years ago now, I was new to New York. I was dating and really kind of getting the first taste of what dating in a metropolitan city was like. New York City is a city where there are two college-educated females to every college-educated male. And that is not considering, all right, is this person age-appropriate? Do they share my faith? Do they have heterosexual attraction? Are they emotionally available? Do they want children? Like all these things. So that two to one number can really feel like, gosh, I don't know what that number is. Is it more like 25 to one, 50 to one, 100 to one in New York? And I've joked many times on this podcast that dating in New York City is like being, as a woman, constantly being a contestant on The Bachelor. Like there's like one guy to like every 50 girls and like all the girls are like clawing over the one guy. And then you add the church culture on top of that, that number even gets larger. And so I was experiencing this in New York City for the first time about nine years ago. I remember having lunch with my pastor at the time and I respect this man so much, respect his life, respect his marriage, respect his ministry. I just respect the hell out of this guy and his heart for God, his heart for scripture, for all the things. And I was like discouraged about dating. This was nine years ago. And I was like, I don't know what to do about this. And he goes, you know what, Kat? Here's what I'm going to say to you. He says, theologically, I can't really tell you to go out and date a guy that's not a Christian, but pastorally, I will encourage you to keep your heart open. And he said that to me, and I kind of looked around. We were, we were at Butter in Manhattan, which is one of the restaurants from Gossip Girl that Serena Vander Woodson and Blair Waldorf would go to. And I remember sitting at Butter, we're having lunch, I'm eating a salad, and I look at him, and then I'm like, I can't, what? What did you just say? Never, ever, ever heard a pastor say anything like this. And he was like, here's the deal. He's like, the numbers are off. Can God do anything? Is God a God of abundance? Yes. Like, do we claim the scriptures in Isaiah that says, look, I'm doing a new thing. I'm the God that makes a way, that springs forth water in the wilderness. Yes, like that is the God we serve. And also it's unkind to dismiss our present circumstances and culture that we're in. He told me this nine years ago. He said, Almost every woman I know who ends up leaving New York and wants to be married ends up married within three years. I was really resistant to him saying that because I was like, I can't believe this. Are you telling me to date a non-Christian guy? Like, 
I can't believe you're saying that. And he was like, no, but I'm just saying like, we just don't know what God's going to do in people's hearts. And so here's what he said to me. He said, if you end up dating someone who doesn't share your faith, keep that relationship open to your community. Like there's no hiding, stay connected to your values, your physical boundaries, all those things. Look at the fruit in this person's life. Do they have fruits of the spirit in their life? Kindness, generosity, dignity, all of those things, patience, peace. Look at the fruit in their life and keep your relationship open to community. Keep like living life in the light and with others and don't hide anything. Walk it out in community. That threw me by a loop. I did date a couple non-Christians, which I'll tell you about in a few minutes. But I think the thing that was felt so honoring about what he said is he was the first pastor in my entire life that had ever been willing to admit there's a disparity in numbers here. The reality is much of the church in America is female-centric. We have churches that have women's ministry, that have Mother's Day Out ministry, that have small groups for women, and that have retreats for women. We have conferences, you know, Hillsong has like sisterhood or she is free. All these conferences that travel all over the world that are female centric ministries. Like women are taught and primed and nurtured to grow in their relationship with Jesus. As soon as they become a part of the church, what do men have? How many churches in the U.S. actually have the same amount of ministries for men as they do for women. I just haven't seen any. I know of two churches in the last 20 years that sometimes do a once a year men's weekend away. Well, I know my church in New York, Church of the City, just this year is starting like a men's discipleship program because John Tyson has a huge heart for men. Most churches just don't. There's always something for the girls. There's Friday nights for the girls. There's Saturday mornings for the girls. There's once a month praise and worship nights for the women. Men typically don't have anything. So just even from the get-go in church culture, women are fostered and encouraged to be more discipled than the men are. So we wonder, gosh, why are there all these like legit women, but they're like, where are all the guys? They have nowhere to go once they go to church. They have nowhere to go. Why aren't we being just as intentional about our men's ministry and about building up and discipling and leading men as we are with women? So I think that's one thing. I think also back to David's point and even just the statistics of living in New York, it's important to acknowledge the numbers are really off. It feels gaslighty almost or spiritual bypassing to just be like, God's a God of abundance. God can do anything. Like, yes, God can do anything. And also it's important to look at our present circumstances and see like, what can we do different? Or can we just even acknowledge? Can we even acknowledge like that there are 10 times the amount of women here as there are men? Like I've even gone to like speed dating events that, a church put on a few years ago in New York. And there were like 50 women there and two guys. And it's like, even like the single stuff and the dating stuff in the church, like who shows up for it? Women. I'm really curious as to like why Christian men don't show up for that. But one of my theories is that like, they don't need to. They don't need to because there's one of them to so many women that 
they don't really need to do a lot to like meet a lot of girls. Now, obviously I'm generalizing, like that's not every guy's experience, but I think it's unkind to like keep pretending that like the numbers aren't off. And I want to tell you a story. So there's a girl I know in New York and wonderful girl. She dated this Christian guy for a long time. (laughs) He was a jerk, by the way. I did not like this guy. They finally broke up and she met, dated, got engaged and married to this guy that wasn't a Christian. For the first like while that they were dating, everyone was like, oh, this girl is going off the deep end. She's compromising her faith. And then everyone got to know her boyfriend, now husband. And this guy wasn't as the best. Like, Character, integrity, dignity, kind, outward focus, servant-hearted. Like this guy had the fruits of the spirit all over him. And then they got married and like six months under their marriage, he became a Christian. And my friends joke, like he's like a more like godly guy than like all of their Christian husbands. And he's like, guys, let's go to church. Like, hey guys, you wanna like pray together? I look at their story and I'm like, man, What if she never would have dated him? And I'm not being like, oh my gosh, you got to flirt to convert, like missionary dating, none of that. Like, I think you marry someone and you choose them and you love them without condition and you don't know what God's going to do in their heart if that's the path you go down. But I just can't help but look at a story like that and be like, huh, interesting. It's like God brought these two people together in a way that really ruffled a lot of feathers in the Christian world and the church world, but like God knew what God was doing and God knew the journey and path that he had for this man. And part of his faith journey was meeting a woman of faith who took a chance on him. So there's that. And then a few years ago, pre-pandemic, I was on a retreat with uh, the same ministry of the pastor that told me, you know, theologically, I can't tell you to date a guy that's not a Christian pastorally. I would tell you to be open to it. So I'm on a retreat. There's like 20 of us. It's like a small group retreat. And one of the guys brought his wife. I had my panties up in a wad about this guy because this guy was a great Christian guy. He brought his wife. She wasn't a Christian. And he was involved in this ministry when he was single. And I just thought, why are any of these men keeping this guy accountable? Like he should be dating one of us. And really I was upset at him, but really I wasn't. I was upset at God. I have felt forgotten by God. Like really God, like the one Christian guy, like he's gonna date a girl that's not a Christian when there's like a thousand of us Christian women that are like waiting for a godly guy to look our way. So I really was stuck in self-pity and victim mindset. And then I met his wife who was this like culturally Jewish woman, more agnostic. And they had been married for about 10 years. They had struggled with infertility for a long time. And her and I hit it off like immediately. And the whole weekend was about learning to hear God's voice and learning to listen and praying and speaking what God has spoken to us about another person. So a lot of like prophetic stuff. And she was in my group. The weekend unfolds every prayer session. Like this girl who like isn't a Christian, doesn't believe in Jesus, has these like insanely prophetic things and words from God at every prayer session. And by the end of the weekend, she is weeping because she's having an experience with Jesus. And she's like, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And she leaves that weekend a lover of Jesus. I just remember 
feeling so convicted. Like, who the hell am I? <laughs> like, who gave me the right here? Like, who made me God and made me judge of everyone's relationship? And I just thought, man, what if like every moment of this woman's story led her to this moment? What if the 15 years ago when this Christian man met this woman who was this culturally Jewish woman, didn't really believe in much, and they fell in love and they got married and it probably pissed a bunch of other Christian women off like myself. And yet like God knew what God was doing. And then years later, years in their marriage, she becomes a Christian. How beautiful. And so the question I have for myself in this and for you is, what if God invited you to do something out of the box, something that would get you judgment by other Christians, but you knew without a shadow of the doubt that this is something God had for you? Would you do it? Would you do it? I really, really care what other Christians think about me. And sometimes I think I care more about what other Christians that I respect think of me, like mentors, pastors, leaders, than what God is inviting me to do or be. I care more about having a seat at the Christian church table than following the perhaps uncharted path that God has for me. You may or may not know this, but I am working on my second book in 2022, and writer's block is freaking real. (laughs) Also, my motivation has taken a real hit this past year, but Thesis has been helping me through it. Thesis makes personalized supplement formulas that are specifically designed to boost your cognitive function. How? Well, it's based on the science of nootropics, which are natural and powerful ingredients like lion's mane, ginseng, and B12 that increase productivity, energy, and mental clarity. I've been taking my personalized creativity formula set for a few weeks now, and it includes things like ashwagandha, ginseng, and zembrin. My particular formula is designed to help me stay focused and creative. Hello, because I'm working on book number two. And it also is designed to help calm my nerves in social settings because the social anxiety for me has definitely increased over the pandemic. I can say in integrity, Thesis has supported me greatly, not only in my writing process, but getting back out there socially. Now, once you take their three-minute online quiz, Thesis will tell you which nootropic formulas are best suited for you and your needs. Right now, Thesis is offering our listeners 10% off your first starter kit when you visit takethesis.com slash cat. So go to takethesis.com slash cat to take this quiz and discover your own unique nootropic combination and save 10% on your starter kit. That's takethesis.com slash cat and make sure to use our URL to let them know we sent you. I used to take apple cider vinegar shots every morning to support my immune system and digestion. But to be frank, the burning sensation that would happen whenever I did, well, let me just be real. It's a very aggressive and not so yummy way to wake up. (laughs) Now, I still want all the benefits of apple cider vinegar without the gross shock of the taste. Well, great news is that Paleo Valley makes it easy for me to get all of the healing properties of apple cider vinegar into my daily diet without the fuss or the burn with their ACV complex. I take the capsules every day to support my overall health. And in case you didn't know the benefits of apple cider vinegar, let me tell you a few things that it does for your system. 
It helps increase metabolism, improve muscle performance, regulate appetite, and offers great support for your digestion. Did you know that by increasing the acidity of your stomach, you will digest food fully and absorb all the nutrients it has to offer? And with Paleo Valley's ACV Complex, you're getting more than just the benefits of apple cider vinegar. The capsule also contains healing spices like turmeric, cinnamon, ginger, and lemon. Y'all, all the good stuff. Go to www.paleovalley.com and use code CAT15 for 15% off your first purchase. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com and use code CAT15 for 15% off your first order. When I first moved to New York, I, you guys know the story. It's the story in my book, but what I didn't put in my book And what I haven't really shared is, you know, I fell in love with this guy and I fell in love with this guy. That's the genesis of my sexless in the city story. But what I didn't tell you is that he was the first non-Christian that I ever dated from the time I became a Christian. So once I became a Christian, I only dated Christian guys. And then I met this guy and he swept me off of my feet He treated me better than any other Christian guy that I had dated up until that point, besides one other person. He pursued me. He fought for me. He cared so deeply for me. And I remember talking to my pastor and then talking to a mentor, a female pastor, a friend of mine in LA at the time as well. I told them the whole thing. I told my community the whole thing. And I was like, listen, like I don't really understand this. Also, this was before the conversation I had had with that pastor that I shared earlier. Here's what's going on. Like, here's what this relationship looks like. Here's what we're moving through. I really care for him. He's really cares for me. I feel like I'm healing so much just getting to know him. And four of us, my mentor, my pastor, and my dad and myself at the time, actually, we fasted and prayed for a week. And we all came back and every single one of them unanimously was like, we just feel like God has an invitation for you in this. We support you moving forward in this. And that was the same. I got a green light from God too. And it felt confusing. Cause I was like, aren't we supposed to be equally yoked? Like, I don't understand. Like, but I couldn't deny the peace I felt in my heart to move forward with this guy. And then I also got green lights from my community board of directors, you know, like the people that I respected most. The relationship didn't last. And one of the reasons was ultimately because we had such different views of of who God was. It impacted every other area of our lives. And like, we couldn't get past that, you know? And it also, a huge roadblock was, you know, I was like, I'm a virgin. Like, I'm saving sex for marriage. That's a deal break for me not to do it. And it was a deal break for him on the other side of the conversation. So we ended it. And then I was like, was I just stupid? Like, why did I say yes to this thing if it just ended, you know? And eight years later, I have a book from that. I'm not just saying like, oh, that story was just for this book. But like that breakup led me on a growth journey that has been one of the pillar seasons of my life of growth of getting to know God in a new way, of opening my heart. My relationship with this guy was like healing waters washing over me because I had dated this Christian guy off and on in my 20s who was like a leader at the church we were at, 
small group leader, all these things. And this guy cheated on me constantly, gaslit me, like never wanted to commit to me. And I didn't realize how accustomed I had become to being treated like crap until I dated this guy that wasn't a Christian. And I and just expected him to flake out on me, expected him to cheat on me and treat me like crap. And at every turn he showed up, he was his word. He treated me with kindness. He honored and respected my faith in a way that this Christian guy had never done. And it was good and it was healing. And it was like, oh, this is what that feels like. Sometimes you need to see it to believe it's possible for yourself. And there was something so beautiful about it. So yes, the relationship didn't end in marriage, but it catapulted a season of growth that I would never have imagined if I never would have been open to it. So I don't know, like, what do we do with these stories? You know, like, what do we do with this gray? You know, because it really, it feels gray. Like love isn't cookie cutter. What do we do with the story of the couple in my life who they were the epitome of the Christian couple? And then as soon as they got married, one of them walked away from the faith. And it's been over a decade and that person didn't come back to the faith. Like, what do we do then when you marry the perfect Christian person and then you get married and they walk away? There's another couple I know, and I'm not going to use any names or anything, just kind of want to protect everyone's, you know, story. But they're, you know, they're in the public life. They're in the public spotlight, but they were both Christian musicians and super well-known. And then she left the faith after they got married. She became an atheist and he left the faith too. And then I have other friends who dated and slept together all through college and weren't Christians. And then he became a Christian like three months before they got married. And then like a year after they got married, she became a Christian. And they're these like awesome pastors now, like some of the most like godly people I know. And then there's my friend who matched with this guy online over the pandemic and he wasn't a Christian. They ended up meeting up and this girl is like solid, loves Jesus so, so much. And I mean, she told him from date one, like my faith is super important to me. Like I love Jesus and like, I want to be with someone that loves Jesus. And so I don't know like where you're at with that, but we can't really go super far um, into this getting to know each other if that's not a priority to you. And his story was, you know, he's from the Northeast, like never really grew up around church, just never really thought about it. And he was like, you know what? I'm actually like really curious. It's just never been something that's been a part of my life. Like I'd be open to like going to church with you and exploring that with you. And so they did. And she was just like, okay, like God, like, give me wisdom, show me what to do. They had this incredible connection. They really cared deeply about each other. They start dating along the way. They're going to church. He's like, wow, this is really cool. He starts hanging out with some like mentor guys at the church. He gets baptized. He becomes a Christian. He's like all out in love with God and gets baptized. Now they're engaged, about to be married. You know, I hear stories like all of the above and the question Or the thought that comes to my mind is this, like, we just don't know what God's going to do. And we also don't know what people are going to do. Like, you can marry the perfect spiritual Christian person and then something crazy can happen and they can completely walk away from the faith. 
And like, we wouldn't tell you to like get a divorce from that person and be like, okay, you're like walking with that person. Like we don't know how to walk with people. And something that I find so interesting about the church is like, if there's a couple that's married and they want to be a part of the church and only one of them is a Christian, like they're welcomed with open arms. I've seen it time and time and time again. And, you know, we'll pray for the one that's like not a person of faith, but we, you know, they're welcome because we trust they're on a journey. We trust that like God's not done. Yet what I've seen time and time and time and time again is if you start dating someone in the church that isn't a Christian, you're judged. One of my friends got asked to step down from leadership was completely shoved to the side. And she was basically exiled from the church until she got married to that same guy, who, by the way, is like one of the best men I've ever met. Like still to this day, he's not a Christian, but oh my gosh, like I'm telling you, like the fruits of character on this man's life is so amazing. And guess what? She's allowed to serve again because she's married. And I'm like, there's inconsistency here. Like, why are we able to like have space for a person to be on a journey if they're married? And I know the thought is, well, they've already chosen that person. So now we just walk with them. And if you're not married, you don't have to be with that person. But I just think, man, are we just trying to control people? Is this really a sin issue or is it a wisdom issue? Like what does wisdom actually say? I would say that wisdom says, and this is like, Christian advice and non-Christian advice. Like you want to be with someone that shares your core values. And so, yes, as a person of faith, that's going to most likely be that I want to be with someone who's a Christian. But often we just look, do they have the sticker of Christianity, like the bumper sticker of Christianity on their t-shirt? And if they do, nothing else matters. No, what else makes this person tick? What's their character? What's their integrity? Are they their word? Do they want to have kids? Like, are they emotionally available? Do they go to therapy? Like, are they open and committed to growth? Like, who are they becoming? Who are they committed to being? And who are they showing you that they are in their day-to-day life right now? I think wisdom says, be with someone you share your core values with. That makes so much sense, right? Like, And I think it's a huge reason why like delaying the physical can be really important. For example, I dated a guy in December, not the guy that I was like, you know, devastated over, but I dated a guy after I got dumped and we dated for about a month and we had crazy chemistry. Woo, holy cow, it was so fun kissing him. And I liked him. We had so much fun, but just within three weeks, you know, he tells me, I just thought you should know, like, I do recreational drugs on the weekends sometimes. And I'm like, well, like, thank you so much like for telling me that. You didn't have to tell me that. But like, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Like, no, thank you. And I think what can happen is we can get so blinded by a physical connection and we can get so blinded by if someone is a Christian that we don't look at the whole story. I could have kept dating that guy and I would have been betraying myself because our core values were out of alignment. I don't want to be with someone who does drugs for a lot of reasons, but a big reason is because my dad is an addict and I do not want to recreate my past. What does wisdom say? What are the fruits of a person's life? I've dated Christian men that are the worst I think we've all met Christian people that are the worst. Heck, 
Christians can be really awful. And we can spiritual bypass our growth just by saying that we love Jesus. And then we're not willing to like deal with our What is it to really deal with ourselves and look at our mess and clean up our messes? And what is it to look at someone's character outside of their stamp of religion on their lives? Like, is someone open to growing? I'm saying all this because what I'm saying is maybe there's not a cookie cutter black and white answer for all time for all people. I think we think the Bible is black and white on dating and marrying a Christian and largely because of the verse about being equally yoked. I don't necessarily know that that's exactly what that verse is talking about, but what about Ruth in the Old Testament and her first husband? Ruth was a foreigner. So Ruth and her first husband, like he was Jewish and she wasn't, and they married outside the faith. Jesus comes from Ruth's bloodline. (laughs) What about Solomon, King Solomon and his thousands of concubines? Like not to even get into the conversation of like polyamory in the old testimony or like the objectification of women or like sex slaves or concubines. But are you telling me that like Solomon like vetted every single one of those concubines to make sure that they had a shared faith? What about David and Bathsheba? And I know these might sound like extreme versions, but we can even say like Queen Esther and her husband, the king. Like Esther was Jewish. Like she was forced into marriage with someone who wasn't of her faith. God did amazing things. Like God put the end to a genocide through her legacy. And so I think sometimes we think things are so black and white in scripture. And I just don't know if they are all the time. I just don't know if they are. Again, what I go back to is what does wisdom say? Wisdom would lead me to believe that like, I really do want to be with someone who loves Jesus. Like I really, really do. And there are those men out there. I dated one last year. Like I was like, God, I don't even know if there's a type of guy out there that I'm looking for. Like I want a guy that loves Jesus, but also is a feminist who like is politically liberal. But like, you know, I don't want to date a guy who's like weird and awkward, like I want someone who's committed to growth. And I was like, I just think I'm looking for too much. And then I date this amazing guy who has all of those things and more. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, hence the devastation. But like those guys are out there. Like I know it. And I think the question that I want to ask myself is like, would I be open to love looking differently for myself? Like what if I do meet this amazing guy who has all these amazing qualities, but perhaps like he's hasn't ever had the opportunity to go to church or like know Jesus or he's been burned by the church and is deconstructing or whatever. Like, would I have the courage to like go on that journey with him? Like, I would like to say if it was something that I really felt like this is what God is leading me to do, like I would say yes, 100%. But I will be real with you and say like, I would also be super worried. Even if I felt so clear from God, I would be worried about what other people thought of me. And that's just real where I'm at. I wonder what it's like to give ourselves and others the permission to be on their own spiritual journeys. And I'm not saying like you live your truth and I live my truth, but like there's things that we think are copy paste answers for all people at all time. And they're just not like we make negotiable issues, non-negotiables for everyone we're not God. We don't know what God's going to do. And perhaps God is inviting you into something different than he's inviting him or her into. Do we have the courage to 
let people be on that journey and not judge it and not exile them from the community, you know? And lastly, what I'll say is I feel like, you know, I do these Mentor Monday questions and back to the original question of this girl, you know, she's like, I have really strong feelings for this guy. And clearly I can't, I'm not allowed to date him because he's not a Christian. Like, what do I do? And here's what I hear in that. First of all, I hear a person who isn't really wanting an answer as much as she's wanting permission. And she's looking for me for it. I can't give you that permission. That's not mine to give. You want the formula. You want the right way. But the formula way is the Pharisee way. The black and white, right and wrong is the way of religion. Relationship, love, nuance, the messiness of life. Like that's the way of Jesus. And so to that girl who DM'd me last week, like, first of all, I just want to say, sorry for treating a very complicated or a very nuanced question in a very black and white one dimensional way. Ultimately, like you get to seek the heart of God. You get to like open that relationship up to community. And if you feel peace, here's what my aunt says, like you move forward in God's peace, God's presence, God's provision. If you feel peace, presence and provision in your life, like could you give it a shot? Even if other people don't totally understand it, like, could you give it that shot? Could you stay connected to like, what does wisdom say? Back to what I was told years ago by my pastor is like, theologically, I can't say to do this, but pastorally, I'd say be open to it. And I think that's good advice. I think that's solid advice because we just don't know what God's gonna do. We don't know what God's gonna do in your life and my life and their life and anyone's life. I'll end with this as I think, this is why lately in the last year or so I've been saying, I hesitate saying this is the number one thing I'm looking for in a partner because I do really want someone that loves Jesus. So I'll say this is either two or tied at number one, is someone who is committed to growth. Because you get married to that person and let's say you're both share a faith and then one of you guys walks away like what keeps you guys together you don't have that faith in common anymore like what will i think the willingness to learn and grow with each other you hear that all the time especially from people who get married at like 19 or 20 they're like we grew up together like you grow together with that person so i think being with a partner who is willing to own their stuff look at their past look at their trauma go to therapy fight fair, a person who is committed to growing, a person who is willing to listen. Now, holy cow, that is a person worth getting to know. So that's my thoughts. That's what I have to say about this. We would love to know what you think. If you want to talk about it, come join over on patreon.com slash the refined collective or over on Instagram at the refined woman. And that's all I got for you today. All right. Talk to you soon.